Hi, I'm Kristen Ludlow from NBA Inside Stuff, and you're listening to the Double Clutch Podcast. Hello, and welcome back to the Double Clutch NBA Podcast. I'm Matt Wellington, and tonight I'm joined by my usual Sunday night host. Uh, we've got Zach Salzman. Hey, guys. Uh, um, I'm disappointed that you kind of didn't get to record your podcast uh, yesterday, but uh, yeah. it's, it's a bonus I get to be on, so this is a this is a funny one. So if you followed us on social media, you know Ross, who is also here tonight. Good evening. Uh, me and him dis- recorded, well, about 45 minutes last night. Yeah, they're, they're thereabouts. We discussed a whole huge variety of things Tandem, from the meaning of life Tandem. to many other subjects, <laughs> and the I recording it, was it. lost. I heard it was the greatest podcast ever recorded. That, yeah. that, that's true. You know, Tenacious D, uh, like, you know, yeah. the greatest song in the world, tribute. This was like the <laughs> podcast version, but it got lost because it wasn't recorded. So this will be our Western Conference show where we're going to be talking about the uh, playoff race. And obviously last night we had some different opinions. They might have changed in the case of Ross because there's been, so there's been a couple of, well, there was a Suns game last night. So his opinions may have changed since then. But we're going to talk about the Thunder first. So I'm just going to put it out to everybody. Do the Oklahoma City Thunder make the NBA playoffs? Yes. <laughs> I, I guess when you look, like, looking at the standings now, it's so close. Uh, Phoenix is, uh, I guess, a game up on uh, the Pelicans and the Thunder, but they've played two games more. Yep. And so when it's this close right now, I'm just going on the team that has the most talent, and that's the Thunder. I mean, they're not the team that they've obviously been criticized for the way they play. Sometimes they don't utilize that talent properly, but when you have two of the top, I don't know, five pl- players in the league, ten maybe, um, then that's a team I'm going to go with every time uh, at this point in in the uh, in the season. The Thunder, as Zach was saying, I mean, you've got two of the best players in the league, um, and they've got the playoff experience as well. They've been there, yeah. and they've been finals, conference finals. They, they've got a solid rotation as well. Um, yeah, they've they've got a good bit of depth. They're they're, they're a scary team, like, like we said, I think in previous podcasts. When if you want to have them facing up against the Warriors, you'll probably win the conference. Um, it's a great matchup. Yeah. Uh, should they make it, and it'll be a good series. Um, but whether they make it or not, I think it's still on a bit of a knife edge because given the um, the injury histories that they've had this season, yeah, and with a big run up coming up. One thing is as well, uh, touching this last weekend on, on Twitter, that the Thunder, uh, in their remaining schedule, they've got eight back-to-backs. Suns only have four. So in terms of the running, it's not a lot of rest time between games yeah. that for these, the, you know, these players. And if they've been struggling with injuries, it's harder for them to heal, uh, and, and get up for the next big night to go again because it's going to be pretty much warfare for the, <laughs> the last half of the season. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, jockeying for playoff spots. So it, it, it's a really difficult one. That's a really good point, actually, with the, with the with the back to backs. You've got to factor that in for sure. I think tonight they have a really tough game. They play the Grizzlies. Yeah, so, that's and, a big game. Yeah, and at this stage, like these are all games you, you you sort of have to win, or at least you can't afford to go on any kind of losing streak. I think Stephen Adams, he's out injured. He's out. Yeah, yeah. Um, I remember correctly. I think he broke his hand. So that's another. I mean, the Thunder have been cursed the last couple of years with injuries. They, <laughs> it seems like they've never gone through like a long stretch where they've had all their best players on the floor at once. You know, either Westbrook's injured, last season it was Ibaka and Durant at the start of this season. So, I mean, I don't feel confident in picking the Thunder over Phoenix and, and the Pelicans because I, I do think that it's just going to go back and forth and back and forth and, you know, teams are going to jump into the eighth seed and fall out again. But if gun to my head right now, I'd say the Thunder would make it just based on talent. 
Yeah, yeah, the roster depth is a massive thing for these two teams. I think if you look at all of them, the, the Thunder and the Suns have possibly got the two stronger rosters yeah. of the two, the Pelicans, and we'll touch on it later, but like, they rely on Anthony Davis so much that when he doesn't play, they're a completely different team. They have, they've got yeah. the inside, like, they still have the inside presence of a Sheik, but he's not Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis has just developed into an MVP caliber player this season and uh yeah he's out as well at the moment so but i think th- i don't know if you guys do you ever remember a team like with the thunder that is fighting tooth and nail to get to the eight seed but if they get into the eight seed they're a legit championship contender like i <laughs> i don't remember a team that it could potentially miss the playoffs and win the championship like in the same season it's weird like it's normally the teams that scrape into the eight seed you think okay they're just sort of cannon fodder for the for the one seed yeah. come playoff time but Making like, up the numbers. Yeah, exactly. And this is just, like, the Thunder's position is purely a result of the injuries at the start of the season. There's no way they would just yeah. be 27 and 25 if, if Durant and Westbrook had, had, uh, had played a full, full season. I mean, they, they've still, they've still sort of lost a few games like that game in New York. They never should have lost a couple of weeks back, but mm. this is the team that would be in the playoffs comfortably had, had they had their, a full bill of health. So it's just a really weird situation because if you're Golden State, you absolutely, in my opinion, want to play the Suns or the Pelicans uh, or one one of those two teams to make the eight seed. I mean, no offense to those, uh, all due respect to those two teams, but yeah, if I'm Steve Kerr, there's no way I want to play the Thunder in a one eight matchup. Yeah, it's a scary one. I think Matt, you said there's a tweet about a good point someone made about the Thunder about missing the playoffs um, this season. Oh yeah, if they miss out, I think it was Dean tweeted out, or it might be Mark, they tweeted us on Twitter and basically just said that if Oklahoma City don't make it, it's going to act as a catalyst for changing the seedings because Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant are obviously such big market, like they draw the player, they draw fans in to watch the game. So without those two guys, then the market's going to take a hit. So it'll be interesting to see what does happen if they do miss well, out, but they should be able to drag themselves back into it, I guess. Well, Adam Silver's already said that he's thinking about, I think he announced this week, actually. He's yeah, he's open to it, yeah. Scrapping the conferences uh, altogether. And I, 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 this is a subject for another podcast, obviously, but it, it is a ridiculous where in the East you have the Charlotte Hornets and whoever else is maybe going to scrape through 10 games under 500. But yet, like, huge, like you say, about huge marketable superstars like Anthony Davis and... Uh, and Durant and Westbrook, and to a lesser extent, like the guys in Phoenix, like Bledsoe and Dragic, like they may not be in the playoffs. So, like we miss out seeing seeing them at like the best time of the year. Yet we're we're stuck watching a team that's like going to end up being thirty and fifty two or something in the East. So, so it is definitely uh, whatever whoever misses out in the West this season, it definitely gives uh, like credence to the idea of just scrapping conferences altogether. It's like this West yeah, dogfight. The defending champions are seventh at the moment. The Clippers. Fair enough, they're sixth, but they're now without um, Blake Griffin is out indefinitely with, after having right elbow surgery. So there's possibility that even though like, you know one of them could slip down, I'm not, I'm not, I don't think the Spurs would, but the Clippers have certainly got the distinct possibility of, of slipping down. But like for tonight, the purpose of tonight's show, we just like focus on Phoenix, New Orleans, and Oklahoma because at the moment it just seems to be those two, those three. Sorry, you could almost call it two. Anyway, I, I think. And we said earlier on with New Orleans, um, they are only an Anthony Davis injury away from yeah. falling away. Um, sure. You know, he hurt a shoulder, and I think we were saying last night on the on the missing podcast um, <laughs> that there was no real injury report or update on his shoulder, so you don't really know. You know, is it something serious? It will be out for a week, yeah. it will be out for a couple of games. You know, 
there's been no update on that. And there's still no, I was looking for it earlier today, I didn't see any news on it. So yeah. it might be nothing to worry about, who knows. But I think for Orleans, it would be something to worry about because, again, it could fall apart. But 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 something else we we, we touched on before with um with New Orleans now, with with the the players they've got they've got Davis really good player, but the players they've got around them there's no one to substitute for that you, they can't bring someone into Davis's role for example if if Oklahoma take a hit on one of their players they've got a squad player to come in if Phoenix take a hit for example a point guard goes down they've got another eight point guards in the roster they can probably use um so. There, there is depth in both teams. New Orleans don't have that starting five is 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 fine, and then obviously with Davis as the big star, but the bench they haven't got that depth there, which is why I think New Orleans will drop off. And again, if Davis injury gets a bit more severe, it's a bit more wear and tear on that in the course of the season, they will struggle. And I don't think they would be the playoffs for me. It'd be between the Thunder and Phoenix. Is is only two teams I can see getting the eighth seed. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Ross. I, I, again, it, it, yeah, like you said, it's pretty um, up in the air, his injury status. Like, I was trying to find something today, right, like basically day-to-day, like he may play tonight, he may not. Yeah, I mean, that's imagine awesome. It would make sense that he would pull out the All-Star game. Like, he wouldn't want to risk anything. If, you know, even dunking in the All-Star game may exacerbate the injury. But, yeah, I, like, that, this is the biggest case for Anthony Davis's MVP uh, candidacy, too, is that that team just doesn't, like they can't really cope without him for any extended uh, stretch. Yeah. Uh, like you look at their roster. I mean, Tyreek Evans has played okay. Eric Gordon's playing a bit better lately. But that team is. I mean, we saw at the game last week when they beat the Thunder off that insane <laughs> double pump, like <laughs> three. three point shot. Right. That was just like single handedly, you know, won them that game. So, so I mean, as any team would lose their best player, they'd be in trouble. But again, even more so with the Pelicans, and they're also. The worst defensive team out of the three, like they give up a lot of points. I mean, even with Davis, like he can't plug all the holes even when he's on the floor. But yeah. out of those three teams, like the Thunder are, are a top ten defensive team, and I think a lot of their uh, they'll, they'll, they would have been higher had they had all their players this season. And, and Phoenix is kind of middle of the road, but the the Pelicans are actually a pretty bad defensive team. So it's uh, so it's tough to win like consistently in the West when you can't stop other teams scoring. So I agree with you. I think. Um, I think uh, if if it wasn't going to be the Thunder, I'd go with the Suns, uh, with the with the Pelicans as sort of like a you know outside looking in on that one. But um, who knows? It, it, with them, it all depends on on how quickly they can get Davis back into the into the lineup. Because I suppose the question with like the Suns is uh, not the Suns, sorry, the, um, the Pelicans is that are they just relying on Anthony Davis? And I think we've pretty much <laughs> answered that with the word yes. Because they they haven't got the roster. Tyreek Evans, yeah, he can be a great player when he wants to be, but he just fluctuates so much. Drew Holiday's out, I believe. Still, he's been missing for the last two or two three weeks. Yeah. The, the, that roster is just like you know, Jimmy Fredette's not really going to come on and, and light it up. <sighs> Eric Gordon has been injury ridden for the last few years, and they've been a team that like they they have a history of injuries. Like the last two three seasons, they've yeah. they've not had everybody on the court at the same time. And I think we mentioned this last night on the show that obviously wasn't recorded, but it's. <laughs> They seem to be a roster of misfits. Like they were the they're players that other teams didn't really necessarily want. Like Eric Gordon was traded away, Ashik yeah. wanted out when Dwight Howard ended up in Houston. Ryan Anderson's been floating around. Tyreek Evans was was supposed to be the next star in in Sacramento, and that didn't work out for him. And then they've just got a bunch of other players. You know, John Salmons, Luke Babbitt, who have they've just literally been floating around the league for the last few years on on several different teams. So 
Yeah. I don't think the chemistry is necessarily as high as it would be there compared to like the Suns and the Thunder, who've possibly had teams together for the last few years. They're not a very like like you make the point, Matt. They're not really a very logically put together team. Like no. when you um, they right now they're getting. I mean, credit to them. Like for this, I, I don't want to just to rip into the Pelicans because to be <laughs> to be two games over five hundred in the West is still quite an achievement. Like it's they're having a good season, a much better season than the last few years. But like when you they're getting by sort of on like a the fact that Anthony Davis is a phenomenal player. And then they are getting, you know, production out of, uh, out of certain guys, but they have, they're really like heavy with guys that need the ball in their hands. So Drew Holiday, like Tyreek Evans, Eric Gordon, their skill sets all kind of overlap almost to the point where they're a bit redundant. Like you don't need that many sort of, uh, guy, you know, guys who are just use a lot of the possessions. Like you could almost get rid of one of Tyreek and Eric Gordon and then bring in, I don't know, like a defense, defensive first guy who can shoot threes would be ideal. Because uh, their balance is weird, um, and uh, and and also like I don't know, I'm not a big fan of Monty Williams. I know that's kind of like a, like a trendy thing that people rip into <laughs> that guy. But you look at like who gets the who gets the ball down the stretch, and like Tyreek Evans and Eric Gordon are almost putting up as many shots as Anthony Davis, or close to. And that's like when you have a guy like that, that guy at the end of games, he should get the ball all the time. Uh, obviously run like plays for him don't just give him you know n- not everything has to be isolation but it, I, I know Pelicans fans get frustrated when when uh, Tyreek is like taking shots away from him or using possessions where you know Davis would be unstoppable so there's some weird coaching issues there too and they're weirdly unbalanced but he, they just get getting by with the fact that he's he's putting in one of the best seasons in recent years that's the thing. They've yeah. come out and they've said that they're building a team for the future. They're not going to, you know, make rash decisions. But the the idea of like trades have been floating around for months with this team. Yeah. If they had one extra player who could take the ease and the pressure away from Andy Davis, so say Davis does miss a game, you know, one or two games, then somebody else is there just to take the load off. Joe Johnson's been a name that's floated around because obviously he's, he, the, the Nets just want to get rid of that contract. But <laughs> would you be willing to take it? Someone like Lance Stevenson, they just need somebody else that's got the spark to take it away. And Tyreek Evans tries to be that blessing, but he just he, do, he can't do it. He misses more shots than he puts up. So, no, no, Lance Stevenson. If you're getting rid of Tyreek <laughs> Evans and bringing in Lance Stevenson, then you're uh, you're taking two, <laughs> you know, five steps back on that one. But yeah, I, I, they just need to. I think I think they need like more defensive first players. Like Davis is trying to plug every hole, like I said. And, if they had some wing guys that could just defend, Joe Johnson would be would be great. Like he's the kind of the guy you'd want. He could defend his position. He can shoot threes. His contract would maybe break the bank, though. I think that would that would send them way over the cap. I don't know how how it would work. They'd have to they'd have to give up some stuff. But I mean, again, credit to them for actually being in this race. I, I didn't think they were talented enough uh, starting heading into the season to sort of be there or thereabouts at this point. So you got to give them credit uh, with regards to that. Well, their front court scares the living daylights out of anybody. So yeah. they've got something there that they can build around and they just need to, you know, be smart with it and not rush into any rush decisions. Don't go, you know, and chuck everything all in like the Nets did a few years ago when they, yeah. when Prokhorov took over because it, it just does, it's just ended up badly for them and it would, I think it would end up badly for the Pelicans. And especially because they're in the West, it's so difficult. You look at the teams below them, like Sacramento, they never really seem to know what they're doing. Boogies come out <laughs> in the last few nights and. What are they doing? 
Yeah, I don't know what they're doing. Denver are chucking everything into trading away and grabbing picks this the next few weeks. Utah have got a really solid core, but they're just really inexperienced. Yeah. Uh, the Timberwolves, Wiggins is going to be a star. They just need to start building a team around him. So when you're in the West, every tiny mistake you make can cost you massively. It can cost you years. Like Magic Johnson's come out and said, I think it was today, that if the Lakers kind of mess up the next couple, like the next free agency and the one after that, that could ruin the, you know, that could mess with the Lakers for like the next half a decade because they're just going to become like the cannon fodder of the Western Conference and you don't want to be there. <laughs> I'm going to, once we're done, at the end of the podcast, I'm going to have a rant about Magic Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. That's, that's explicit, <laughs> not for the book. I'll say, I'll, I'll say I'm sure everyone's eagerly anticipating this. Oh, they are now, yeah. Now you just said it. <laughs> you can have the double clutch uncut version. Yeah, I'm just going to Oh, there we go. <laughs> F-bomb. Bleep. <laughs> well, we had a bunch of emails, well, emails and tweets regarding this. Everyone seems to be, especially all the British NBA fans, seem to be mixed. Obviously, the Oklahoma City Thunder are a big draw in this country, so a lot of people tweeted it regarding them. The majority seem to think they're going to make it. The Pelicans, like we put out tweets, and I think Dan Harris tweeted us to say, no, there's not really a chance of them making it without Anthony Davis playing. So a lot of people are, are not high on the Pelicans. Um, Mark Jackson tweeted saying well, he'd love the uh, the Thunder to make it, but it's becoming increasingly unlikely. So people are a bit skeptical. and Nobody really knows. And Alex, who writes for our site, sent us an email, and he went into all this in-depth analysis on ESPN's website with regards to Kevin Durant when he plays this season. Apparently the Thunder is sixteen and nine when he plays, which is above five hundred, and without then they're below. So he it's pretty, reckon, it's pretty good that Kevin Durant. Yeah, he reckons when if he works it all out based on like the the amount of games they've got left and the percentage they win at when Durant plays, they'll win forty six games. And he worked Phoenix's out as as forty five, which means it would be ridiculously tight for that eighth seed. Yeah, yeah, that's the way it's looking. Um, it is going to go down to the last week of the season, I think. In terms of the eight seeds, um, but uh, well, at the moment, I mean, the Suns are in a bit of a funk. They've lost the last several games. Um, lost last night. Three and three and seven in the last ten. Um, and it's the same pattern they've had. The strange thing was they had a, they were kind of a, a losing streak of about six or seven games um, before Christmas, and then everything started to click, and they went on a big winning run, pushed themselves back up again, um, and that was when they put Alex Lane as a starting centre and taken out Miles Plumley. Um, and Lane's developed come on leaps and bounds he's averaging nearly two and a half blocks a game out of 23 minutes um, seven rebounds seven or eight points so he's getting better and better um, and he's he's athletic if he doesn't block the shot he's making people change the shot so he's giving the Suns more of an interior presence which they haven't had recently um, and the Suns are never known for having good big men to be honest it's always been a, an Achilles heel we've always focused on yeah. fast play guards up and down the court, um, so we've not really had anyone in the middle who can you can do anything inside since probably a fit Amari Stoudemire. Um, but then again, he was a terrible defender and still is. Um, <laughs> so he didn't really offer that kind of rim protector role that that Lane can do, um, which is good. But but they um, they all seem to click. But the last ten games, it's kind of fallen away a wee bit. Lane's been injured, which I think is a factor over the last week and a half. Yeah. Um, Bledsoe was was missing a couple of games as well. I think it's birth of a son. He came back last night though. But um but it seems to be the same pattern where, where the first quarter of the first half of the game, they're going behind to teams really early on. And teams are building up ten, fifteen point leads really quickly against the Suns at home as well, which is pretty poor. Um but then Phoenix make a big push in the third quarter and the fourth quarter. They're actually the highest scoring team 
throughout the fourth quarter and the whole of the NBA, and they're still losing games in the last second. They've lost four games, I think, in the last six weeks from buzzer beaters. Yeah. But <laughs> Jeff Hornacek was frustrated. He was quite candid about it after one of the games. In fact, the last loss where it bounced off the rim twice and the backboard and then went in. Um, <laughs> and he, he said he wouldn't mind if they got beaten by a clean shot, but four of, four of the buzzer beaters have all, you know, hit the rim, bounced about. If it was one inch to the left or one inch to the right, it wouldn't have gone in. And it's just one of those frustrating things. So, I mean, those four games, that can make all the difference in the playoffs coming into the season. Um, but sure. the other argument is, if you're going that far behind in games and having to push on to try and claw it back in the fourth quarter, do you really deserve to win the game when you've been behind the entire game? So, yeah. there's a few arguments about this that. This is why getting in foul trouble never helps, because you do get yeah. away a lot of fouls. <laughs> just just think- a bit, and a lot of technicals, um, which I was in the middle writing an article last week about the Suns' technical foul policy. If a player gets a technical, Hornacek would bench him for the rest of the game. He did it to Dragic, benched in the entire game, did it to Markeith Morris. Um, there's another incident with Marcus Morris having a, a, a kind of a, a shouting match with Hornacek on the sideline, which provoked a bit, of, a bit of response from Suns fans, hating on Marcus Morris for it, um, showing a bit of lack of respect. But apparently that's all been cleared up now. There's no more technical foul benching policy, um, although it would be reviewed, I think they said, depending on the severity of the foul. Um, so, yeah, but the chemistry issues seem to have settled down a wee bit. Um, the point guard system works when for short periods, I think. You can't play three small guards every game for 25 minutes. It's not going to work. Just teams suss that out and they'll just yeah. adapt and go big. Um, so it works for wee spurts to get them back into games, but then I think Hornacek needs to realise that and change it uh, and get another big man in there, get more defensive and adapt when the other team cottons on that, you know, these three guys are running rings around you and Thomas and Bledsoe and Dragic and then you've got, you know, Green lighting off three-pointers when he goes off in crazy games. Um, but Marquise Morris has, has been a really consistent player this season. Um, a power forward. He's, he's come on leaps and bounds since he's become a, a starter this season. He's behind Channing Fry last season. Um, but as a starter, he's really developed and he's had a lot of big shots, game-winning shots as well. So he's come crunch time, he's been a, a really good player, except the other night against Sacramento, where he was three for three for 20 from the field, um, which, even by my basketball standards these days, is atrocious. <laughs> um, so yeah, um, the Suns have a lot of good young players, a lot of good young talent. The All-Star break's coming at a good time for them. They've been on this losing streak. Get away for a week, clear the heads, come back, and get ready for the push. The difficulty I have with the Suns making the playoffs compared to the Thunder is nobody in that roster really has playoff experience. Um, Dragic has a couple of games. Bledsoe's had a couple of games as a backup for Chris Paul in, in LA. Brandon Wright's got a couple of games experience. But other than that, they're all unknown 25-year-old or less um, young players who have no real experience in the playoffs. So the Thunder always have that kind of edge over them. They don't have anything to lose. I mean, then year two of what essentially was a rebuilding program um, yeah. from the disaster of three years ago when you had Michael Beasley as your star player. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, when you've got Beasley, a guy who I think in his last year in Phoenix had a sexual assault charge pending, drug charge, and something <laughs> about weapons. Something about weapons. Be, <laughs> is it, if if he's going to be... I think it was concealed handgun in the glove box or something like that. Uh, if, if you're, if you're, um, if that's your star player, then you're in trouble. <laughs> to be fair, um, so they cleared out the roster. 
second year building, no one's expecting them to be as good as they were last season. So it's a tough act to follow in your second season, if you will. So, but they're well placed. I mean, they've got a lot of good young talent in the roster. The only shame is they can't play them because every game is so tight. You can't afford to let a rookie or a second year pro in there, with the exception of Len, who I think has a different skill set to the other guys. Um, so it's hard to develop the young talent that they have on their roster, apart from sending them to the D League. So while they can stockpile all these young players and assets, they can't do much with them because all they can do is play the the established guys like Dragic, Bledsoe, Morris Twins, Green, Tucker, um, rather than trust the youngsters. But there's going to have to be a time when they have to say, look, will they either trade these guys uh, for something else combined with draft picks or some other players in the roster your contracts are expiring. Green's not expected to be our next season. Dragic, there's a question mark. He said he's going to test free agency and see how he gets on. And Plumlee, I think, has made noises that he wants out. So, uh, as far as far as I'm concerned, he can go for a game of Scrabble. Uh, I don't <laughs> think it's him anyway. So, it's got, yeah, you sort of caught up between like a rock and a hard place when you're when well when you're Hornacek Hornacek too because it's like your goal as the coach is to win games, like you say, Ross. And so, yeah, like maybe for the long term development of the, of the of the team, like blooding young guys is is probably better, but. At that particular moment, you're trying to win a game. I know Dwayne Casey has the same issue, and fans in the of the Raptors criticize him too because he will pull uh, Valanciunas or Terrence Ross off the floor. Like they have such a small, uh, such a short leash when they do something yeah. wrong. And from Casey's perspective, he's just trying to win that particular game. But a lot of uh, you know fans want to see those uh, guys get 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 uh, experience, make learn from mistakes, stay on the court. You know, be able to sort of recover from them, but they don't really get that chance. So, I guess that's yeah, the same issues at play. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, the main problem was they'd never get any games where which are blowouts, so they can play these guys yeah, in garbage time. Tight. Give them the last five minutes of the game and play them, see what they can do. Let them go out and have fun. So you got Archie Goodwin, who Valanciunas knows well. You've got um, T.J. Warren. You've got Reggie Bullock, who just got from the Clippers. Um, yeah. So we've got, you know, some good guys who've got some good skill sets and good potential, good upside. And they're, they're all young. They're all, you know, early 20s or I think Goodwin's still 19, 20. So they've all got big upsides, but they just can't get the chance to do it for Phoenix. They can only do it with the Bakersfield Jam in the D-League where they're putting up 30-odd points. Tyler Ennis was the other one I forgot about. Um, yeah, yeah. Card. But he, he's a good player. I mean, these are all good players. He could be decent NBA players, but they're just not getting that opportunity. So, but like I say, it's year two of a rebuild. If they want to push in to get the playoffs, that's fine. But then they're going to have to aim for the next level. Ryan McDonough's come out tonight, which I'm just seeing, and saying he takes responsibility for what he thinks is a roster imbalance, yeah, um, which is a pretty big thing to say, to be fair. Um, I don't so know fair enough for taking responsibility, but... Yeah. You know. I don't know. They, to me, like they're not as imbalanced as, say the, say, the Pelicans. I don't know what you guys think, but I just find, like, I, I was watching the game last night, the the body language is weird on that team. I don't know if there was issues that are, that have been left over from the Bledsoe contract um, issues in the summer. That there seemed to be some bad blood between the team and him. And then Bledsoe and Tucker had a bit of a, a go. Yeah, yeah. Well, they had that issue with the inbound pass. <laughs> he, he threw it to, to Tucker. Tucker was trying Horrible. to throw it back to Bledsoe, and then like, I, I think even uh, Chris Weber was criticizing Bledsoe on the on the broadcast just saying like you can't you can't display that kind of body language like yeah yeah you have, have a word with the guy in the locker room if you want to have it out like guys get into fist fights and training it happens all the time I'm sure we don't know about yeah. it but don't do it in front of you know millions of people watching on it just doesn't look good but yeah and Dragic so. is even uh, 
Oh, go ahead, Matt. Uh, Ross, sorry. Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, I think that, that one there was just a frustration because they were yeah, down sure. by, I think, 15 points straight away. And you could see yeah, all the players look pretty pissed off and, and pretty despondent, uh, thinking, oh, no, here we go. Another yeah. game, another big lead by the opposition team opened up straight away and at home as well. Um, so uh, frustrations, they happen. I mean, they, they will boil over. To be honest, I'd be more worried if they didn't. So at least it shows that, that that they give you know they give a monkeys about it. Um, yeah. So I would rather a player fight with each other about it. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm all for that. Um, but as long as you know they understand the importance of the team itself. Yeah. What do you guys think? Because again, watching the the one thing I, I think about the Suns is that they, they have the potential to be like a really fun team, and at times they do look fun, and they get they get out on the open floor, uh, open court, and they run and they push the ball, but. Sometimes everything ends up just descending into like ISO ball at the end of the game. So I think yeah. people criticize it. A lot of that is like Isaiah Thomas, who again, I respect that guy as a player, but there's a little too much dribbling. Uh, they don't go inside to, they don't even try and give the big man any, big men anything, uh, get, get them going on offense. It's all like perimeter heavy. And, and I, last night, you really notice like Dragic is just sort of hanging out in the corner. And like, yeah. in my opinion, that guy should have the ball all the time. I think he's the. He should. He's probably the best point guard. Like Bledsoe might be a better scorer, a better defender, but as far as like point guards creating plays, I think Dragic is the best guy on that team, and he's kind of got relegated to playing the sort of off the ball. You know, I guess he's a two guard, and he's just kind of drifting. Yeah. And, and like when you watch Isaiah Thomas, it's just dribble, 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 and then he, you know, he passes it. By that point, like the defense is already in their half court set, and there's not really really anything on, and it just looked all. It almost looked like the Thunder, but with less talent. So you can't really yeah. get away from it. Dragic just looked like the odd man out. And he's, he's yeah. definitely suffered the most out of any player in the roster. Um, which is a shame because he was the best player last season. Um, overall, he had a fantastic year. Definitely should have been an all-star. Um, but, um, but, I mean, this year, to be fair, I think Bledsoe's probably been the main guy. Uh, Bledsoe and Markeith have been, have been the two best players in the team. Isaiah Thomas has been a great spark for the bench, but as you rightly say... Too many of the Suns' plays are kind of dribble, 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 not enough passes. And they're, they're not making that extra pass. And, and it's, the moves are breaking down. Silly turnovers. I mean, there was about four or five turnovers in that game, which were... Oh, yeah, uh, I mean, I was, I was lying in my bed watching it, and I was almost throwing the iPad off the wall. I was just <laughs> going crazy. Because they were literally handing it to the opposition player. Just going, there you go, there's a ball. And then run up and, you know, the Rockets get a, an easy score. Um, yeah. And some the interior rebounding is pretty poor with, with, with laying out. Um, so yeah, they've got issues there with rebounding and defense. Uh, and like I say, difference with the Rockets is you've got an MVP candidate in James Harden. He was superb again. He was you know. amazing. He was so. He's just, he showed it again last night, and he really proved that, so that he's he's worth every nomination for MVP status because he's just been fantastic. I think that was his second or third forty-point game in a row. Yeah, um, he, it's just so good. It's like. He was basically playing point guard too. I think he had nine assists, like eleven. Yeah. It wasn't like he was just scoring and that was it. The guy was like getting his teammates involved. Which again, you looked at the Phoenix game and you were you you didn't see that type of uh, performance from anyone. I mean, I, I think Bledsoe had a good game scoring wise, but there was no one really moving the ball the way Harden. There was there was a bit of ISO at the end from Harden, but that was when like the game was on the line. Like yeah. he got everyone going, uh, you know, through the first three quarters. But yeah, he was he was amazing, but. Just going yeah, back uh, to the turnovers really quickly. With Isaiah Thomas, I think the problem he's got is he's only started a, what one game this season. He's actually started because he's, he's like Ross has said, he's that spark plug yeah, off the bench. 
He's committed the, the I think it's the fourth most turnovers on this t- entire roster, and he's not even starting. I think part of that is he's come from a role where he in in Sacramento he was a starting guard all the time, and he always had these extra minutes, and he could do what he kind of wanted because he was supposed to be the future for them. And he's always had this sort of chip on his shoulder. I think we mentioned it last night on on the the non recorded show. Like he was, you know, the last pick of the draft, so he's always had this need to want to do more than he can actually do, and. When he comes on the court, he does seem he runs the isolation ball a lot. He seems to do be trying harder when he's on and trying to make the most of the minutes he's got, and that's yeah. you know detrimental to the team because he's not passing the ball as well as he should. He's not making the smart plays. Yes, he has been the spark plug, but if you've got someone like Dragic or Bledsoe, then who were here last year and you know they felt they knew what it felt last year when they missed out. So those guys are the guys you've got to be running through, and Isaiah should just be secondary to those guys. I don't think. It's probably a mentality thing with him, whereas I don't think he just assumes because we had all the hype in the summer. Oh, they've got three guards; they're going to run all three at once. Maybe he's read into that a bit too much and just is trying to do too much for this team. Yeah, yeah would it surprise you to know the Suns rank? I think bottom in the league in assists. Doesn't surprise me. Yeah. And it, but, <laughs> but three point guards. <laughs> yeah, but and the weird thing about that too is like, yeah, and when you watch them, it doesn't surprise you because you see how they play. But exactly. It, when you look at their personnel, you think, man, that team should be, they should be like Golden State in the sense of like, because all those guys can pass. Absolutely. All those those guys can move the ball. They're all quick. They're all like, there's probably not too many teams that are more athletic than the Sun. So in theory, they should be a team that just spreads the floor and moves the ball and, you know, plays, you know, along the lines of a a Golden State Warriors or San Antonio Spurs. That's, I, I guess, what's a little frustrating. But having said all that, this team is still four games over uh, 500. You know, the Pelicans and the, and the Thunder can tie them if they win their, you know, they play two games less, but they still sort of hold the card, so to speak. Um, That's the thing. Um, we spent, this, oh, yeah, we spent 15 minutes trashing them. Yeah, no. <laughs> they're still, <laughs> they're, they're still <laughs> one of the better teams in the NBA. <laughs> yeah, still, still a hell of an achievement to be where they are, considering, as you say, Ross, like, they're still like a young team that has a bunch of draft picks that, is going is going somewhere, uh, you know, in the years to come. It's not like they're kind of topped out as the eight seed and then they're just going to go downhill from there. But tw- uh, February twenty sixth, they played the Thunder, uh, which I guess is the the Thursday after the All Star break. Yeah, yep. play the Thunder in Phoenix, and then I think they played the Thunder one. Just looking at the schedule here, I think they it's the third the last game of the season. Yeah, they played the Thunder. That will be good. <laughs> Yeah, so those two games are going to be huge. Uh, and obviously, not to discount the Pelicans as uh, they play. No, the they'll ever see in it. Yeah, they're all going to be massive games. That's where you've got this stark contrast. Like the Suns, they were in a rebuilding phase. They're now in a playoff race. I don't know if they necessarily expected that. The Pelicans, they've been trying to build around Davis, and now they're in a playoff race. Don't think they necessarily expected that. Oklahoma, and we've seen it with the trades they've made for Dion Waiters and, and other guys. They're throwing it all in this year because they kind of know that these next two years, like the two years they've got with Westbrook and Durant. Like yeah. on the roster, they've got to make the most of this. They have to do this. Sam Presti's come out and said that you know it is pretty much a travesty if these guys don't make a finals in like the next two, two one or two years because like arguably the roster's as deep as it's ever been. It's just not been healthy. <laughs> yeah, sure. They could have won well, it last year. Like, oh people, yeah, Durant said yeah, like, like, in the offseason like, he was oh, pissed. <laughs> yeah, like the Barker, like, <laughs> You saw the difference, like when Ibaka came back in that Spurs series. Like that was a different team. Suddenly they could defend the rim. They were like scary. Everyone was running around the defense. Like they're they're, they're like people criticize them and rightfully so. Like they they've kind of they kind of waste the talent that they have because they 
they they're too reliant just purely on on one on one play, and they've never really like Brooks has never really had to create like an actual offense to run that team because he thinks ah Durant and Westbrook will just go one on one and and we'll win you know that way. I'm sure he doesn't think. I'm sure he never articulated. <laughs> he can fall back on that, and uh, but having said that, like their talent has still been good enough to get into the NBA Finals, like two games away from the NBA Finals last year, which you yeah. know they they play a tired Miami Heat. There's nothing that no one. I don't think I think they may have been favorites in that finals, and so it's just it's luck of the draw with with injuries. But but again, as well, it's, as well with the with the Thunder as well. If they don't yeah. make the playoffs, Brooks is gone. Yeah, he's done for sure. Yeah, I and think even if, if even if they did make it, I think he might still be done. Yeah, well, it's ironic too because if they don't make it this year, it's sort of not really his fault this season. For the one season where no. <laughs> he, would, <laughs> he would really be responsible for their failure, but it would just be a, like a cumulative thing. Obviously, like just too many seasons of. But it's it's funny with development too, because like with the Suns again, it's they sort of accidentally fell into this team like that was really good. Like last yeah. year, like. I think I predicted them to finish like 14th in the West or something. You know, no one thought they were going to even come close to the playoffs last season. And now suddenly they have this team and everyone has their expectations have gone up a bit. <laughs> and then conversely, you have a team like the Knicks who actually were trying to win <laughs> the last few years. And now they're the worst team in the league. So it's just funny how, how you can, you know, just a few pickups here and there and young guys developing in certain ways and like trades like the Bledsoe trade. Suddenly, you have a team that's like you know a forty-five to fifty-win team. You just kind of falls in your lap. Yeah, I've just got to mention the next winning percentage: <laughs> zero point one nine two. You had to do that, didn't you? Sorry, but I love the next. So just Not for all the next guys that we've got who help us out and do social things. And <laughs> yeah, I think they're all handling the notice now. <laughs> It's <laughs> because they're not being playing basketball. The West is just a dogfight this year. I mean, it, it is not fair to think that oh. that eighth seed is going to be the final draw because th- th- these teams will be better than the East. There's no doubt about it. Golden State have been unbelievable. Memphis, since they acquired Jeff Green, have been, well, they've been on a tear. They're 9-1 and one since they got him. And they're even yeah. better with him in the starting lineup than they are with Tony Allen, which is odd because you'd think that you know, Tony Allen being sort of the lockdown primer defender that he is would help them out. But obviously, Jeff Green's length and scoring has, has helped. Houston, I mean, the MVP race, let's just touch that quickly. Could that pretty much be wrapped up? Because James Harden's been sensational since Dwight Howard went down. I think after uh, last night, he's got my vote. Yeah, it's it's yeah. unbelievable. It's incredible. Uh, I don't think he's going to win it. That's the thing. I, I think Steph, like, can see if everything is remains as it is, I think Whoever votes for it is still going to vote for Steph Curry just because, like, mm-hmm. visually, what he does things, like, in a more, like, catches your attention more. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, just with the three-point shots and, and, like, you know, the crazy games, you know, where he scores 51 points and he's just jacking out from everywhere. But, and James Harden, I think some people have said, like, and I, I disagree. Like, I, I love watching that guy play. It's just incredible passer, like, can score with his back to the basket. He can obviously score from anywhere on the court, but because he gets to the free throw line so much, like, like I don't know what the attempts are, but he's between him and the second place guy. It's ridiculous, but like that's not as attractive to watch. Like a guy just barreling his way and getting fouled and getting to the line, even though it's an like incredible NBA skill to be able to draw fouls. It's just not quite as like uh, easy on the eye. So my guess would be Steph Curry would still probably win it. Uh, but I, I, my vote, uh, like Ross, I'd, I'd vote for James Harden. 
I think he's got yeah, a weaker yeah. he's got a weaker roster. He's doing more with less. Like you look he's at got that, more on his shoulders than Steph yeah, Curry does. For sure. for sure. You know, you can put the team on his back and go and win it. Steph Curry can do it to the extent, but he's got the likes of Clay Thompson around him. He's yeah. got Iguodala. He's, he's got Bogut. He's got Lee. You know, he's, he's got the uh, all these other guys around him. Other weapons. I, I would yeah. probably call them. Houston again. I mean, yeah, they've got some good weapons as well. But um, Harden, like I say, he, he can put them on his back and really just take over. Um, and I think. I think I'm really looking forward to seeing him in the playoffs this season. I mean, as it stands, Houston would be playing against the Clippers. Um, that'd be really interesting seeing James Harden tearing into that Clippers team. The well, the Blake Griffinless Clippers. Um, yeah, I, who I think who would James Harden on that team. Like they would. Clippers don't have a guy who could. Who they could? Don't. That's the thing. Like, Jamal Crawford, really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> JJ Reddick, I guess Matt Barnes. That <laughs> Put Matt Barnes in his face. He just Barnes, punch yeah, him. Barnes would do it. Yeah, well, that's a, that's a thing. Barnes would, would, would end up on GBH assault or something <laughs> because there's no way he could contain Harden for a series. No okay. way. Um, without being kicked out of at least three games. <laughs> yeah. It's just frightening. Like, Portland, they, they've been, like, they had a rebuilding phase a few years ago. They've really locked in it with Damian Lillard. He's just been sensational. Lamarck is just obviously with the injury issues but they're still a strong team Dallas since the Rondo trade have been a bit topsy-turvy but they could still beat anyone on the day the Clippers are the one that everyone's freaking out about like they were my favourites to win win the whole thing at the start of the season they just don't look like they yeah. can put it together Doc Rivers keeps seem to be going after all these like there's rumours he want, if KG gets bought out then he's going to go after him it's like why are you going after guys who were good like 10 oh. years ago dude <laughs> Doug Rivers still thinks it's 2008. I know, chill out. It's not the Boston Celtics anymore. You're not playing he's the like, Celtics. He's a, he's a good coach. He's a terrible general manager. Though. <laughs> it's just scary to think that San Antonio is seventh and they haven't really like kick-started it yet. Tim Duncan's carried them. Obviously, Kawhi Leonard's got the hand problem, which could be a bit worrying because it seems to be a bit niggly. Like, it seems to be popping back every now and then, but... Yeah. They could still just turn it on when it gets to the first. Well, I think the one thing we mentioned a minute ago, Ross brought out like James Harden can carry Houston. That's the one thing the Suns don't have. Like you look at the Pelicans, Davis on his day can do it. Oklahoma Thunder, they've got two guys. Now, I think if the Suns had that one guy who could carry them, then yeah. this race might actually have been sealed up already. <laughs> but that's a more, more, even better achievement. They've done it without yeah. a big star, you know. Yeah. Uh, and and but you can also, well, that's, that's exactly what I was about to say. Look at Atlanta. I mean, they don't have the big star. But, I mean, and they've caught everyone by surprise this season. I mean, they're a good team, but they wouldn't be a, a superb team as they've been. Um, Lon Babby, the Suns president, he, he was saying yesterday that they will go all in and pursue the big free agent this season, whoever that might be. Um, and they're ready to make a big move when it when the opportunity arises. So, like I say, who that'll be, I don't know. But they do. Uh, uh, they do need that one guy, the consistent guy, like Zach said, and get to the line. Um, someone who can who can rebound and play D because that's what they need. But they need that consistent scorer, the guy they can go to in, in late in games. Markeith Morris is who they've used a lot this season. Dragic was the main guy last season for late in games. But they, yeah, they need that one. Definitive star, I think, to really just re completely ignite it. I mean, obviously, my preference would have been in summer if they were able to get Kevin Love, because I think he's tailor made for the system. I think he'd be a perfect fit um, in Phoenix. And if he had any any inkling of leaving Cleveland, if they don't work out, which I'm fingers crossed they don't, 
Um, <laughs> I would. I, I think Phoenix would be a prime destination to put Kevin Love as, as a power forward in there. Stretching it, going back at shooting threes, um, he would be like Channing Fry on steroids. Just he would. He would. He, he, would he would just bring a different dimension, and I think he'd be the complete thing. Because let the guards do their thing, then you've got to worry about Love. You've got to worry about when the Morris twins. You got Len inside. I think they'd be a really good, really good fit. Yeah, I actually think that might be a, like a legitimately realistic um, option for him. Like, if you look at the weirdness that's going on with like LeBron tweeted something on on the weekend, oh, stop trying to fit fit out and try and fit in, which was yeah. like, clearly clearly aimed at Kevin Love, and he so, he admitted, <laughs> admitted as much in like a in an interview like later that day, and and so they they're, they're playing well, Cavaliers, but there's no. That there's there's been no, there's no like, love. There's no love for no, love. There's no love for love, and there's yeah, exactly. There's no confirmation that like Kevin Love. Oh yeah, for sure, I'm going to sign long term with with Cavaliers. And why 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 should there be like he has no loyalty to that city? He's not part of the La Familia. <laughs> no, so so <laughs> I, I could I could, and you know he he obviously is like a California guy, and Phoenix is fairly close to Los Angeles. Like I could see him for sure uh, ending up there. That's that's obviously for another podcast. <laughs> Kevin Love potential free agent. It is and like this NBA season is just popping up with so many storylines. Like there's so much we can talk about. Like each and every week, every time we do a podcast, there's there's always something to go on about. Like the last, like just before we were planning and talking about this, we had all the injuries popping up. Like Blake Griffin goes yeah. down, Stephen Adams, Anthony Davis. It's like it just seems that everything has been going Dwayne on. Dwayne Wade and, last night just yeah. when we finished the podcast as well. Dwayne Wade was linked. <laughs> he was out. Cal Corver was selected. Uh, and today, Carmelo Anthony might not be making it. So this must be the most injury hit All Star game I think I've ever seen. Yeah, it's a bit weird. It, it wasn't like this last year for sure. I think I think guys guys just see that they look at it, and now now the All Star it's like an All Star week, right? So they get a whole week off as opposed to yeah. just. The week. And so I think in the back of the, some of those guys' minds, they're probably like, you know what? I'd rather just have the week off and hang <laughs> out by the pool. They're thinking New, New York somewhere. for the weekend or Hawaii. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Why? Like we we think of like for us like as fans, the All Star Weekend is like awesome. It's really fun to watch. But yeah, if you're a player, and especially if you're a player that's been there like six or seven times, you've got to be thinking like, do I really want to do this? I'm going to speak to, I like, have a gazillion interviews with the media, <laughs> and like, or I could be just chilling on a beach. Like I think, um, uh, Nurkic, uh, uh, the uh, Denver center, like. He was going to be brought in, like be invited to uh, to play the rookie sophomore game because I guess Adams yeah. is out. Like the international or what are they doing now? The internationals versus Team USA versus the world. And so, like he, I think he was like supposed to go home to Bosnia to like be with his family. And uh, I don't know, like the guy's probably thinking, like you know what, I'd, <laughs> I'd much rather just go home for the week instead of you know having to play this meaningless game on a Friday night. But well, that Friday night game could actually be quite a lot of fun because the rosters it are, are pretty, for us, sure. Yeah, the rosters are, uh, are stacked, and it's nice just to see a European, like a, a world team, on there. It's just a bit sad that there's like there is no significant Brit. But then again, who the hell are we <laughs> going to put on there? <laughs> Joel Absolutely Freeland, right. Not a sophomore. <laughs> hey, who is it? There's somebody. There's, well, I think it was on TNT the other night. They were talking about putting like a, another presence next to Lamarcus Aldridge because the chances are that if he does leave, it's because Portland has failed to put another sort of all-star caliber player next to him. And um, <laughs> I can't remember who it was. The Jalen Rose or somebody just came out and said, "You mean Joel Freeland's not an All Star?" And I just cracked up. I just found it hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> two two points a game or whatever he's averaging. Yeah, he's been out injured for most of this season as well. So that's that's true. It's not so, he's well. so he's comparable. So so he's comparable to Kevin Durant in that respect. 
the, the impact would have been so if he had played, man, they would have been, they would have been the best team in the West as opposed to the third or fourth. Without a doubt. <laughs> anyway, I think we're going to call this a quits. Um, obviously, we'll be back on Sunday night with our next show. I'm off next week of work, so we'll try and get a few more in. I think I spoke to Ross about sorting something out, see if we can get a, a, like a midweek show out. But as usual, please check out the uh, the website, which is doubleclutchpodcast.co.uk. There's been some good content going up there recently. I had the uh, the pleasure of sitting in on the uh, conference call on Monday night between Mark Gasol and Pau Gasol dominated by Spanish media. I didn't have a clue what they were saying, but luckily enough for me, we got a, a translation sent to us in the email. So I could finally write an article about um, those two possibly like dreaming of a, a finals matchup, which was uh, interesting to do. So uh, check out that. Check out the uh, Twitter feed, which is Double Clutch UK. Everyone's got access to that now. So if somebody's tweeting, chances are it could be Ross, chances are it could be me. If it's about the Suns, it's probably about Ross. If it's about something else, then it could be anybody else. But there's no way of knowing. And the Facebook is uh, just facebook.com forward slash Double Clutch Podcast. So Keep all the iTunes views coming, and as usual, subscribe, download, give us a rating. We appreciate all of that a lot because it puts us up the rankings. And I think last week we were actually on the um, like there's a noteworthy section on iTunes UK, like we were on the the, the front page of that, which was quite cool. So uh, obviously, doing shows, well, regular shows, is helping out. So uh, we'll be back on Sunday night or Monday morning for you guys. So we'll speak to you then. You hear it getting closer. That growing sound around the corner. The steady thump, the blessed bounce. It echoes through every borough, every block, every street. It rises past the tallest skyscrapers, connected millions to the boldest dreams of greatness. In the one place where dreams always have a home. New York City, NBA All-Star 2015.